Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and back with me to discuss Psalm 76 is Olivia Giles. You're going to enjoy Olivia's reflections and insights on the justice of God, our longing for justice, and what it means to trust him in the midst of, well, as this psalm talks about it, his wrath. It's an interesting psalm. It's one, as I say early in the episode, that I had a bit of a hard time with, so I enjoyed this conversation and found it really helpful. I hope you do too. To get us started, here's Olivia reading Psalm 76. God is renowned in Judah, and Israel his name is great. His tent is in Salem, his dwelling place in Zion. There he broke the flashing arrows, the shields and the swords, the weapons of war. You are radiant with light, more majestic than mountains, rich with game. The valiant lie plundered, they sleep their last sleep. Not one of the warriors can lift his hands. At your rebuke, God of Jacob, both horse and chariot lie still. It is you alone who are to be feared. Who can stand before you when you are angry? From heaven you pronounced judgment. The land feared and was quiet. When you rose, God, you rose up to judge, to save all the afflicted of the land. Surely your wrath against mankind brings you praise, and the survivors of your wrath are restrained. Make vows to the Lord your God and fulfill them. Let all the neighboring lands bring gifts to the one to be feared. He breaks the spirit of rulers. He is feared by the kings of the earth. Olivia, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Thank you. It's been a while. It's, well, you know, that was based on your last performance. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That checks out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Folks, there is no correspondence with any kind of gap and someone's conversation on a past episode. It's a good disclaimer. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise people are going to start analyzing like, oh, how far between how episodes was Pastor Kevin? It's Interesting. True. But here we have Psalm 76. I, I'll just say up front, I struggled a little bit with this psalm to answer my own questions. Mm. So I'm going to ask you, and then I get to respond to your response. Sure. <laughs> Sounds good. So our first question, Olivia, is what stood out to you in reading this psalm? Well, it talks about this idea that like with God's judgment, it, I, there's at one point it says like, it talks about praising God because of his wrath. Verse 10. Verse yeah. 10. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mine just is. There we go. Human wrath serves only to praise you when you bind the last bit of your wrath around you. That's fascinating. Like typically like the wrath of God is the thing we're most uncomfortable with. Yeah. And so this idea that our praise, which we're typically like glorifying and being excited about the aspects mm-hmm. of God we really love. It's just fascinating that that is just tied together with praising his wrath. Yeah. I have, this, I have the same note. I think our verse 10s are slightly different because there are kind of two readings and mm-hmm. even I have the footnotes. So my translation, the NIV has, surely your wrath against mankind brings you praise yeah. and the survivors of your wrath are restrained, which I, yeah, I thought, well, definitely, surely not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, like thinking about the world we live in, I can't think of the last time I heard someone sort of in a public prayer say, God, we praise you for your wrath. Mm. Uh, and yet, the Bible is clearly inviting us into a different different kind of perspective, right? It, and so it jumps out pretty immediately. Even even the other reading or the other translation, the wrath of mankind brings you praise yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Even that is like, well, surely not. <laughs> like, <laughs> how does this work? There's this definitely this vision of sovereignty and God working things out. Mm. 
either directly in his purposes, his wrath being worked out, or despite sort of whatever's going on for humanity Mm -hmm. that is deep and rich in this psalm. And for me, feels a little distant. Like, this isn't the language I'm comfortable or used to using. It's not super relatable, is it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even the fact that it talks about the survivors of your wrath, what is that? Like, who who are those people who survives God's wrath? Yeah. I think I don't have an answer to that question, but my curiosity is definitely piqued. It is kind of interesting. I was so, uh, this is just purely giving credit where credit's due. I was reading Derek Kidner's commentary and he talks about the first six verses likely being quite concrete and potentially referring to what's referenced in Isaiah 37, which to just read two of the verses, then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. Mm -hmm. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. So they come against Israel, this army, and then the angel of the Lord overnight. And Kidner argues that kind of the opening verses, this emphasis on Zion and on Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. and then literally the valiant lie plundered, they sleep their last sleep, Mm -hmm. is a reference to this very concrete kind of miraculous delivery. Mm -hmm. But then there's a shift in the psalm to maybe something broader, which I found that, oh, okay, sometimes we read, and I think without, I at least don't have the extensive sort of Old Testament stories, Mm -hmm. you know, just like a Rolodex or something in my mind. So to think, oh, okay, when they might have heard this, when they might have sung this, they might have been thinking, oh, we remember when you delivered us, right, in this in this event. Yeah. And now we're anticipating what you might do is helpful to keep in mind, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think part of the fact that it feels kind of unrelatable is the fact that for us, this doesn't necessarily feel like justice because Mm. we're not connected to that, like historical you know account necessarily and even if we had knowledge of it there wouldn't be that same feeling of like deliverance and justice that they were likely feeling we're just like oh god intervened in a very violent way yeah and so i yeah i think that's what makes it feel somewhat unrelatable but then that shift into more general language i think is still helpful because that is what can still be something we can connect to today even if it's a struggle yeah Mm. Shall we keep trying to connect to it with some sure. other questions? <laughs> Absolutely. I think our other questions will lead us in these directions, which is good. What do we learn about God or how do we encounter God in Psalm 76? I think it, there's a – because it's talking about so much about wrath, and that yeah. is something that I think as humans we are somewhat comfortable like performing ourselves, but not, uh, yeah. not allowing others to do so on our behalf. Mm-hmm. In some ways, I think it – I mean, it – in a sense, it demands our trust mm. in a really big way because ultimately, like if I'm going to read this psalm, I have to learn to like be comfortable with this idea that like the God will always act out in ways that are good. And so I can look at this and be like, that doesn't seem good to me. Yeah. But because I am convicted that the character of God is always good and his actions are always good, that what he does in his wrath is good Mm. and so that that demands a lot of trust from me and demands is maybe kind of a harsh word but at least it like it kind of requires yeah trust Mm. that sends so many ideas pinging through my mind i love what you're saying like we are used to taking wanting to take wrath for ourselves Mm. or at least being key agents in the taking of wrath like Mm. i was thinking about this it's like yeah we hate wrath but if someone robs our home 
we want that person arrested, prosecuted, and sent to prison. Mm-hmm. Like, and we want our stuff back. Yeah. Like, yeah. The idea of justice is not really a distant mm-hmm. idea. And so, and even here, right, verse nine, when you, God, rose up to judge, and then we get what the content of that judgment, like why that judgment is important. It's to save all the afflicted of the land. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there is something we get about that intuitively. I think sometimes the distance and one of our challenges can be exactly what you said, that we want to be the agents. And part of the agents is we want to decide when something is truly unfair Mm -hmm. or unjust. So I love so much what you're what you're naming of can we trust God's goodness? Sure. But yeah. And I think that even shifts us from the, oh, this doesn't feel that relatable to the like, wow, this is incredibly relatable because Mm. that desire to see justice served for like the oppressed peoples of this world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's not like it is recently relevant. It is something that is like a timeless, I think, call of just the people of earth. But at the same time, more and more in the last couple of years, I think it's been more of a conversation that's been brought up in like public spheres. Yeah. Which I find really helpful and good. But typically, like we want to determine the way that that justice is accomplished. And often we want to take credit for the way that that's accomplished. And we kind of want to be the people that do that. And yet, we don't want to like trust the person that created all those people and yeah. like would ultimately know what is the most amount of good that can be brought from that situation. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the hard part for us. Oddly enough. It is the hard part. I'm thinking about verse 10 too, with respect to this conversation where you have these two possible readings. Surely your wrath against mankind brings you praise. Mm-hmm. I think that pretty straightforwardly ties in with what we've been talking about. Mm. But then surely the wrath of mankind brings you praise. Mm. And it's like, okay, it's quite clear here that God is to be the primary agent. But in that other interpretation of the Hebrew, I wonder if there is something like the wrath that we're seeing depicted is a righteous wrath directed Mm -hmm. towards saving all the afflicted. Mm -hmm. And so then there is some invitation to participate in God's justice making in the world because i was thinking about what you're saying about it being in the public spheres mm-hmm. and you could see christians saying to that well vengeance is the lord's mm-hmm. it god is the only one who can bring justice so really there's nothing we can do about anything <laughs> and you guys have your nice public conversation mm-hmm. but we just have to wait till the end of days when god will make all things right mm-hmm. and i think that doesn't seem quite right no. or true to the biblical story no. neither does we'll just take everything into our hands and we are we are the kings of fate and here we go mm-hmm. sound quite right. And so there's almost like a middle ground mm-hmm. and the ambiguity almost of verse 10 is maybe making me think, oh, I wonder if it's striking at some of that middle ground too. Sure. Well, I, there's a verse in here and maybe your version says it a little more clearly, but it talks about God's anger. Um, and that I think is really helpful and that might even kind of lead us into the next question. But that idea that... It's not like God is impassively kind of sitting back and like judging these things and just saying, okay, like you will be wiped out, you will be saved, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But rather like he is, for lack of a better term, like emotionally responding to it in a way that we can relate to. And it actually in a way I think that really models what all of the Psalms model, this idea of like there is appropriate emotional response to things Mm. and there is a time for grieving and mourning Mm. and there's absolutely a time to feel anger at the oppression of people the injustices of this world and that i think is something that like if god is feeling that then i think 
like absolutely we're called to feel anger at that and so i think that can help us with that middle ground as christians i'm not just sitting back and being content at yeah, yeah, yeah. injustice but still feeling that anger and and letting that anger move us to action mm. um because if we don't it just turns into bitterness right right yeah yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> and i think that can be helpful like it still gives us like an action point mm. <laughs> so to speak while still placing like asking us to place our trust and ultimately like god's wrath is what yeah. does the heavy lifting there all right well you've taken us to our third question Did I? no 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 i mean this is you know we'll turn the host keys over to you but how does this psalm help us to pray i, th- I mean i think you started to touch on it but if there's anything you want to add to your wonderful response oh, you gosh. Again. sure i mean i think it is really and this is true i think for all of the psalms but in this one i think it really clearly says like it it asks me, Olivia, to say, okay, God, help me to feel like anger at the injustices of this world mm. in a way that is holy and godly and moves me to action. Mm. It like asks me to to not just sit in that and to still like trust that God's doing what he's doing, but to really to ask him to like shape my emotional response to like the oppression of people in this world and to also recognize that like there are times where i'm like that's not the way i would have done it god but Mm. ultimately i trust you yeah and just to continue to ask him to help shape my emotional responses to the things in this world so they match up with his because that is what i think really helps build that relationship between us like the more and more i have his perspective the easier it is to trust him yeah so that would be kind of my (laughs) (laughs) that was great very very helpful i think yeah i struggled a little bit with this question i was kind of kept coming back to verse seven where we get some of this the anger and there's fear language in here and it says it is you alone who are to be feared who can stand before you when you are angry Mm -hmm. and i thought well i fear lots of things i'm afraid of heights i'm afraid of needles (laughs) (laughs) like god is definitely not the only thing i fear and obviously we could talk a lot about the kind of fear that's being discussed here. But I also thought, you know, when when we talk about the fear of God, there's really in the Psalms, it does feel like we have to talk about it in trajectory with the New Testament, what Jesus is doing. Because mm-hmm. I think there's certainly when it comes to our prayer, there's an invitation to come to God boldly. Mm-hmm. And we can. And we think of the book of Hebrews that talks about Jesus being our advocate and our mm-hmm. high priest and representing us. And so for me to conclude from the Psalm, well, okay, like, one of my postures towards God needs to be sort of groveling in fear mm. isn't quite right. It's not mm-hmm. the whole story, mm-hmm. right? So then I was like, okay, well, how does fear, how can fear help me in prayer? Or what's the proper place? And I wondered if actually it's important for us to meditate and reflect on the fear of God, kind of the healthy reverence for someone who can bring wrath and justice and rightly so mm-hmm. in order to sort of have a proper gratitude for the intimacy that we're invited into yeah. with the same god and a recognition of what jesus has done and if we don't ever reflect on the gap between us and god mm-hmm. then we sort of take for granted you know well jesus is my homeboy kind of like i think of early 2000s <laughs> yeah, like yeah right like oh god's just my best friend sure. like and that's great and there there can be wonderful truths to our relational intimacy you were even talking about it right mm-hmm. like as our emotions and as our will is brought in line with him there's an intimacy we have with god mm-hmm. but we can sort of that can become trite if we forget like oh this is only like through the grace of god deigning to Mm -hmm. like explain himself in these ways to give us these metaphors to understand him to ultimately become incarnate Mm -hmm. in jesus and so once i have those two together i can suddenly be so much more grateful 
And I can, I think, I think, I think in my, at our best moments, we can hold those two as humans yes. coming before God, <laughs> gratitude and fear. So yeah, that was, that was my processing out loud. Yeah. No, I think that's a really helpful framing. And I mean, in, in my mind, even what you described, like that, those two things held, you know, intention, like that is, there's a reason God describes himself as father, mm. right? That like, it is, there is still clearly like an authoritative relationship there that I think like healthy fear is really helpful in because yeah. like, if we, you know, we can talk about like, parents that like want to be their kid's best friend and how often that ends up being somewhat destructive or they're not really able to adequately like protect their child or guide them in the way sure. they should go because their 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 kid doesn't really know like oh that they're actually in charge or like no no, no we're peers yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not only is that confusing i think it's really unhelpful in the long run and yet at the same time there's those other sets of parents where they will not be like emotionally intimate with their kids and they won't they'll try their best not to ever express mm. fear or anger or sadness around their kids and that's really unhelpful yeah. too because they're like well i want to be seen as this authority so i can't show weakness which in their mind that emotion is weakness right. and then that's also making them feel ultimately like unrelatable and you can't have connection with someone that you don't believe has emotions right <laughs> and so like i think god is doing that really beautifully here like he's establishing himself as authority and yet showing that he is having an emotional response to these things and mm. yet showing like as god he always will have the best possible response to these things and right so, I find that really helpful, and yet it is challenging because we all have complicated like relationships with those who are our parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. authorities in our life. Yeah, yeah. But so I think that that can be like a helpful framing of just going, okay, that's what that would look like in a human to human relationship, and yeah. accepting that as like us to God is a little <laughs> harder. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I love what you're saying because one of the things that makes me think is like you can't talk about the tension of these two things of fear and gratitude, like in the abstract, because each of us brings our own particular baggage yes. to what it means to relationally have fear and what it means to relationally have gratitude and intimacy, yeah. right? Recognizing that gratitude and intimacy are not synonymous, but yeah. So all of us are going to, our journeys are all going to have to wrestle with maybe one side of that more than the other, mm -hmm. right? Depending on where we are. And the Psalms just are, like the Psalms just never resolve our wrestling. Like they're just like yeah. right down the middle. Like <laughs> keep like keep trying to pin this one down. One way to put it is the Psalms never make it easy for us no. to sort of say, oh, okay. Like with all the stuff that I've experienced, like now I can just be like perfectly comfortable where I am. Like mm -hmm. they are always pushing us like beyond much like all of scripture really is always pushing us and inviting us deeper and beyond ourselves. Right. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think. With that, though, like as much as there's no resolution in the Psalms, there there is like that hopefulness and just the recognition that, yeah, we all come we're all coming with something different. And yet, like God being our powerful God, he knows where all of us are coming yeah, from. Yeah. Like he is the only one that actually knows all of the experiences that we've had that have formed our views of what relationship looks like, what yep. authority looks like, what fear looks like, what gratitude looks like. And so he is really the only one that can adequately meet those yeah. where they're at and then like call us to something healthier and yeah. more hopeful. And so I I think that's that's where that trust kicks back in and trusting that he actually is the one that can do that. And I find that to be really hopeful 
even if at times it is hard to trust that that's the case. Yeah, no, and, and maybe to put what I was saying a little differently, it's like the Psalms offer us the place of resolution. And like our journey is like to wrestle ourselves like towards that. Yeah. In other words, like, okay, here's, <laughs> it's not, it's not we're sort of just at sea and the Psalms are just like churning the waters. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, there's land. Mm-hmm. And like, we are constantly trying to journey mm-hmm. right towards that. And some of us are coming from the east side of the island. And some of us <laughs> coming from the west, right? And so there's, yeah, uh, all of us start at sea, right? Yes. Like no one's like, oh, well, this is just the perfectly comfortable place for me. Like <laughs> I I happen to read the Psalms and think this is exactly how I always pray or mm. whatever the case might be. So, yeah. Anything else to add about Psalm 76, Olivia? I'm I'm tapped out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that, that was mostly what I got out of it yeah. as well. But always interesting to kind of navigate through a psalm that seems to like require more history to understand. Oh, sure. Yeah. But at the same time, it just has that relatableness of, you know, anger at injustice. I yeah. think that's, that's something that we can all relate to. I think in a way that, and it's really beautiful to see that that's something that God feels himself. So. Yeah. Well, beautifully said, let me not add anything to that other than to say, thanks for joining me for this conversation. Yeah. And let's hear Just three verses, again, verse 7 through 9. It is you alone who are to be feared. Who can stand before you when you are angry? From heaven you pronounced judgment, and the land feared and was quiet. When you, God, rose up to judge, to save all the afflicted of the land. Friends, go out and pray the Psalms. Psalms.